Hello, welcome to Carton Blue. My name is Dan Rowlands and I'm joined here by John Townley to talk about a second signing for Aston Villa following Yuri Tielemans through the door is Paul Torres from Villarreal in a deal reported to be around £31 million. Now, as we're recording this video, it's 6.30 on Thursday evening. We're hoping to post this video on Friday morning, regardless of whether the Torres deal has officially gone through. All the media reports suggest that it, it's about to happen. Um, but the club, as of right now, haven't confirmed it themselves. There's no pictures of him in the shirt or anything, but it, John, it's going to happen, isn't it? So we're here to talk about it and react to it and and see where Torres fits into the, the Emery system. And um, before we get into all that, how are you? Are you excited by this one? I am now. I've had like half an hour to kind of gather my thoughts about it because it's just been full on today about loads of things. UEFA, Kessler Hayden's gone out on loan to Plymouth and then Par Torres should be completed in a matter of days, if not before. So everything's agreed, personal terms, and the deal itself, we just need to get the medical done. Mm. And for Torres to actually sign his contract, and then and then we have one of the best defenders that played in La Liga last season, and a player that Emery knows really well. I'd argue probably one of the best signings we've made in our modern history. Wow, okay, that's a, that is a big statement. Behind Kamara, potentially, as, in terms of recent history, Honestly, he'd be the one that stands end. out. Torres is a brilliant centre-back, and someone that, you just say to get for no more than thirty-five million pounds. Obviously, he had a deal. Deal. yeah, obviously he had one. Sorry, twelve months left on his deal at Villarreal, but yeah, even so, fantastic business. Yeah, yeah, I don't know where he ranks in terms of centre backs across Europe, but in, in La Liga specifically, certainly one of the best last season. And you've got you'll have some stats later on to back that up. Massive Champions League interest over the recent over the last couple of years was linked with Man United. This summer linked with with Bayern Munich. So. I mean, if you looked up statement of intent in the dictionary, there'd be a picture of Unai Emery and Paul Torres stood next to each other at Bodymore Heath. I don't know how I'll describe this in a way that doesn't make me sound silly, but when a, a club gets a takeover like Newcastle or Man City 12 years ago, whenever it was, and they make one of their first kind of big signings and you go, oh, that's them, like approaching a new era, like Rubinho for Man City. This is the one I think of when I was growing up, like, oh, they've signed an exciting player out of nowhere. We're not in the beginning of a takeover. You know, NSWE came in five years ago but it feels like we're in a new era here and, and this signing specifically feels like one that will make others kind of sit up and take notice of like, wow, Aston Villa managed to attract him like that. Where did that come from? Like they're, they're a serious player, Villa basically. Well, I'm hoping we'll look back on this kind of, or this window as a whole probably in two, three years time and go, that was the beginning of something. Exactly that. And that's why I'm writing it as such a uh, sort of a, I don't know, a moment in time, I suppose, for Villa, as you say, because it because it's a new era. I suppose Alex Moreno started the Spanish Revolution as such, but then <laughs> Torres is a it, that's a name that uh, every club in Europe would have been looking at or has tracked for you know multiple years, and mm-hmm. we've we've obviously been one of them. And then when Emery comes through the door, having already worked with him, Monchi has just come come aboard as well. So it all sort of fell in our lap in a way to get a player of this quality and you're hoping that as the summer goes on that um, we can conclude similar deals and uh, you know moving forwards too because this is the pool that Emery has over in Spain I don't think we quite realised it when, when we appointed him and I know we were all really happy about it and we mentioned things like this about how Emery can uh, attract another calibre of player he's worshipped as a a top coach, a top, top manager in Spain and across Europe. It was just that spell in Arsenal. But in Spain and other places, he was he is regarded as he is regarded now by Villa fans. So for the players mm. he must have worked with, you know, their feelings towards him uh, can't be any different. So it's no surprise that Paul Torres, after 
you know, he joined Villarreal at five years old and has rejected Tottenham. He's rejected the clubs as well. So it had to be the right project for him. And we go on about Villa's ambitions and exciting plans, but to have Emery at the helm, that changes it for me. And this is proof of that, basically. This isn't a player that's over the hill at 30 or is uh, showing signs of um, you know, progressing. This is a player at 26 that's coming into the peak years of his, years of his career, going to be on a what I presume will be a five-year deal and up until 2028. And hmm. yeah, it's really exciting. And this is just so done. Uh, would probably be the first name, uh, the, the first player that we're going to get through the door that is of that, uh, you know, that calibre that you look at and think, oh, Villa are serious now. Pau Torres is a Champions League level player and he could have gone to a Champions League club this summer 100%. But I don't think you can underestimate the links with Unai Emery. Aston Villa in the Premier League and the wages they offer and we want to pay that fee and all that. Kind of put that to one side. Newcastle could have paid that fee. Spurs could have paid the fee. Loads of other clubs in the in the Premier League could have. It's the Unai Emery factor that's brought Pau Torres to Aston Villa. As of right now, there's no official media or any quotes or anything because the deal isn't official just yet as we're recording. But there's a quote I found out from March 2021 from our, one of our sister titles, Football.London, from Unai Emery. I've been a coach in Sevilla, PSG, Arsenal, and I've never seen a centre-back like Pau Torres. That's some quote, isn't it? Emery rarely lavishes praise on many players as well, just from being yeah, that's in true. press conferences with him. And I mean, if he's ever asked about a player, he'd always sort of not swerve it. He'd, you know, he'd, he'd say, yeah, well, you know, they're doing well, but we can do more. So to put that on a player that he was working with at the time as well, because he was the Villarreal manager at that point, I don't think he's ever done that for anyone. So... Yeah, it's one thing to have the um, to be. Vi- I mean, it, it, the, the whole thing. If, if Emery wants you, then you're probably a good player. But then, because we know how good he is anyway, in terms of we know he's a Champions League player and he can play at that level. He's a Spain international. Um, it all marries up to Aston Villa have just signed a, an exceptional footballer. So, yeah, I'm just really excited to see how he plays against Walsall now. I love getting players in for the first day of pre-season. Like signing three or four or five exciting yeah. players in any point in the transfer window is obviously great because it's nice to have new players. But coming in like the week before the Premier League season starts, it's it's a quick turnaround to get them up to speed and getting to know their teammates and whatnot. Pau Torres coming in on, as we said now, the 29th of June. We're going to talk about how he fits into the system and who plays on the left and all these kind of things in a sec, but it's time to work on that as well. So mm-hmm. I love getting players in early doors and I think obviously managers will all want to do that. It's just the domino effect of, of the transfer window to who goes where. We're going to do a follow-up podcast on, on Monday or Tuesday of next week with a, a Spanish expert and somebody who knows Villarreal very well, former colleague of ours, uh, Jamie Kemble. I'm pretty sure he's a Villarreal fan, so I was, I was scouring his, his Twitter and I just searched Jamie Kemble, Pau Torres. I found a couple of tweets that I really liked. Uh, there's one here. Villarreal's Pau Torres, who's played the most minutes in Europe across the 2020-21 season, is flying from Tokyo after Spain's Olympics final, which I think they got second place, to Belfast to play in the Super Cup with Villarreal on Wednesday. Unbelievable commitment. We'll talk with him about like his strengths and weaknesses as, as a player, but as a character, one tweet there in isolation that he's a hard worker, he's a grafter, he plays a lot of minutes, so injuries uh, aren't really an issue. You want a bit of that, don't you? And we'll talk about it in a sec how that fits into Aston Villa because you know, Pau Torres has not come here to, to be back up or, or sit on the bench behind somebody uh, and how that impacts our already good defence. But all the things I've read and the research I've done for this video, admittedly only in a couple of hours this afternoon, regardless of him as a player, as a character and as a personality, he seems to be 
and then refit as well. Yeah, and I think he would have been playing at the Euros as well before Tokyo. So that would have been a, a packed summer for him. Probably his first proper preseason off as well at the moment. <laughs> yeah, Clearly the right attitude um, to say kind of commit himself to Villarreal as well. He's 26 and to be honest, I thought he was a bit younger because you hear about him all the mm. time as like this um, upcoming promising player and someone that's going to, you know, uh, go on to great things as Emery said. So clearly he's yeah committed himself. He could have left Villarreal years ago. As I say, Tottenham came in uh, and wanted to sign him, but he turned him down because he wanted to play in the Champions League with his uh, boyhood club, which makes total sense. But you could imagine there was a lucrative contract <laughs> at, the, at the end of that decision that he um, that he rejected. So he's not, you know, he's not coming to the Premier League for for any other real reason than to work with Emery, Alex Moreno, and him are the. I believe the only Spanish players in the team, but you, you've got a whole coaching staff that's Spanish. He's going to settle well at Bodymore. The only thing he probably won't have is the weather. So it's all it's also up for him to um, have a really successful spell at the club. And again, I think that's something that for him was probably a major thing. He wasn't going to go to any Premier League team or any Italian team or just to buy Munich or whatever. I mean, they're all really good you know, opportunities. I'm, I'm sure they are. And maybe he would have gone to buy Munich, but Previously, he has turned down those sorts of opportunities. So, firstly, it shows you know what what a player he is to get that level of interest. But then also, as you say, Dan, what kind of a character he is too. And Emery again isn't going to be buying any characters or any players that are going to either disrupt a dressing room. Or he wants players that are going to add to it on and off the field, and that and that's key. Mm-hmm. I read some quotes from Damien uh, Vidigani as well, who said something similar about that kind of family feel. Monchi said something too. So. There seems to be a real uh, kind of community. We know there's like a South American contingent going on and Alex Moreno sort of mingled in with that. And yeah, it, 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 all, it all looks really good from the outside and you hope that will continue moving forward. So we're going to talk a little bit about how he set, how he fits into Villa's system to a certain extent. 99% of fans would have looked at Villa's centre-half department you know, this, this summer and thought, we're pretty strong there, that isn't a priority. But if you want to build a squad that can compete on all fronts and ultimately challenge four trophies... When a player like Pau Torres comes available for way less than his release clause, which was rumoured yeah. to be 55 million, to get in for 30, which I still think is a very good fee, you have to act. You have to take part in that. You have to put your hat in the ring and say, we want him. We want we want a part of that. So it kind of opens up these questions of, does this mean we're now going to play a back three? Is it going to be a back four and he replaces Toro Mings as the other left footer in the in the Villa defence? Will he play with Toro Mings and have two left footers at centre half? Like that's unusual. That's that's a little bit quirky. Part of me feels like it's kind of irrelevant. Like if Unai Emery wants him, he will work out how he's going to use him much easier than you and me can discuss for the next 10 minutes or so. So I trust yeah. Emery that if this is the guy he wants, he knows exactly what he's going to do with him. When a player of Torres's calibre comes available, you have to act and and, and make that deal happen, don't you? Yeah, for sure. That's the main point, really. Villa can't wait or be sentimental about any of this. That when a player of that quality, as you say, comes available, you you do everything you can to get them through the door, and that's what we've tried to do before Torres as well. You know, Asensio, Nico Williams, all of those players. I suppose you can put in the pot of ambitious, I guess, because they're all Champions League players, and you know the vast majority might turn Villa down but you have to try I don't doubt that come the end of the window we're going to have a very good squad and there'll be two players per position that are both vying to play every game and that's how it should be you need that competitive um, like fierce competition in your team you, every training 
session needs to be like a match. That only only then do you get success from it because I've said it before. We, us as fans, we, we look at other clubs who have done so well over the last few years, like Tottenham and uh, not necessarily Everton, but when they were going in Europe, like I don't know, six seven years ago, um, you look at their squads and you think, oh, how the hell do they manage that? You know, having those players on the bench and there must be unrest and it doesn't have to be like that. There's there's different. It's having different solutions for different problems in different games. And Emery knows exactly what he's doing. I, I wouldn't sort of worry about oh, but what happens to Tyrings or what happens to this player? And I'm, again, for those players, I don't think they'd be expecting to play every single game under Emery, Emery under Emery next season because they're part of a journey that with a bigger and better squad will be more. They'll be more likely to win something with Villa if that makes sense. And yeah. they all want to play more than each other. But ultimately that success comes from having, as I said, that fierce competition that um, improves everyone ultimately. We spoke about this on a recent video when we did like our fantasy transfers. I feel like the conversation might have been lost for the people that didn't click on that. But we had a good chat about like squad depth and managing a, a side of first-team players and backup players. I just don't think that exists anymore. And that's something that we'll have to get used to as supporters, that it's not that Pau Torres has come in. That means Torres Mings will never play again. It's not, Same it's not argument as that. It's, yeah, Tielemans has come in. Where does he fit in? Who does he replace? It's mm. not quite as simple as that. It's that you've got a squad of, instead of 11, 12, 13 players, you need 16, 17, 18 very good players that can all play in the first 11 without you thinking, mm, so-and-so is not playing today. I fear for us this afternoon. Like Whoever comes in to replace so-and-so is also a very good player and it's up to them to keep the shirt and, and create that kind of fierce competition. But you look at the, the centre-half specifically now, Torres, Mings, Conso and Diego Carlos is, is some quartet between them. And obviously, there's some caveat of how will Diego Carlos react to the injury kind of asterisk somewhere. But the wider picture, that's a very good selection for Emery to pick from. I don't think it will happen, but it gives you options. A back three now of, of Conza slash Carlos, Torres and Mings together. And, and one of Mings or Torres plays the central defensive role of the, of the three. Moreno becomes a winger effectively. Signing players like this is is not so much, like you said, sentimental. What does that mean for, for Tara Mings or what does it mean for Ezra Conza? They've been very good. Like, please play them. Like, they're my favourite players. Why are they being replaced? And I get that because I feel like that a little bit as well. But like I said, it's something we have to get used to. It's giving us a squad of 18, 19 very good players that will ultimately and hopefully go on to win silverware. And Tara Mings, yes, might not play 38 games in the Premier League next season for Aston Villa. But if he plays 20 and Villa finish fourth and win the FA Cup, I'm sure he'll be delighted with that. Yeah, I did a I did a piece earlier and there's going to be those debates now, but whatever role Tyra Mings plays next season, you know it's going to be key. And that that's where Villa are going now. You might only play half the games in that season or start half of those games in that season. If we won a conference league or if we finish sixth, then you're part of that team and that's what you want mm. ultimately. So, yeah, it, it's about having that competition. And again, I don't doubt that um, Emery's got a plan for it all. He's not just signing players uh, because they're good. They're, um, there's always a reason. And obviously, we'll go on to it now. But I mean, I, I just think T- Torres, however you use him, all of a sudden, Aston Villa have now got one of the bo- best ball progressors as a centre-back in Europe. Mm. And, and those are the facts. So, Aston Villa so, are much Some of his stats are like a, a good midfielders. Yeah. And obviously... Playing from that deeper, I mean, obviously you're deeper as a centre-back, but everything that we saw last season, you can absolutely understand why Torres would fit mm. into that system and play very well. Yeah, But there is that question mark for me. I do, I do see it in terms of if, if we're playing the same system as what we did last season, I'm not sure if Mings and Car- uh, Mings and Torres could play in the same team because I think the build-up is so important for how Emery wants to play. And I know there is an argument of why can't you play two, uh, why can't you play two left-footers if you can play two right-footers. 
but I just think Emery wants everything so perfect. He wants a left footer on the left and a right footer on the right for that build up. That that's key, and mm. we'll see how it goes. But again, there's a plan, and if that is the case, Mings will still play a lot of games, and again, will have a key role. He's one of the most important players at the club. We gave him a new contract that would have been on Emery's um, call as well back in February. That's a vote of confidence. So that again, there's no there's no negatives in this for me at all. We've just signed one of the best or a top centre back, should we say? He's one of the best at what he does. So I'm really pleased with it. Just on Mings quickly, I don't really want to ask Jamie this if he's a, a Villarreal supporter because he'll just go. Pau Torres is your best centre half now, and I'm inclined to agree with him. To, to be honest, I'm preempting what he's going to say here, but the the pedigree that Torres comes with, he is Villa's on paper best centre half, so he has to play. So he will be ruthless enough to go. Well, he's better than Tyron Mings. So of course he replaces him, but as Villa fans, we're all very sentimental about Tyrmings, and he's been with us for these last five years, and he's a big part of where we are now. A few of the things I've read this afternoon of some of Torres's weaknesses, maybe aerial ability, set piece defending, aggression, which are things that in the Premier League, kind of being a big and aggressive, is a is a positive. Those attributes are things that Tyrmings is very good at. Yeah. So for me, I feel like you have to play Tara Mings for what he offers and he makes up for Torres' weaknesses in a strange roundabout way. But I fully agree with, the, what, what, with what you're saying. That if you're playing two centre-halves and you've got the build-up and the shape and the way you move the ball, yeah. having two left-footers, one of them is playing on the wrong side and the ball's coming to them on their right foot and having to make tackles on their right side. And it, it's unnatural, isn't it? And I don't know, it, it's, it's a strange one. It's something that we'll only see with time. The more we start to talk about it, Conte and Mings in the middle and Torres on the left of a back three with Moreno bombing on, on massively high, a new right back on Matty Cash bombing on down the right-hand side. Conte could obviously push over to the right. Mings can push to the left. Luis and Kamara are still your pivot players. Ollie Watkins is up there. That leaves two more of McGinn, Tielemans, Ramsey to kind of fit the other slots as it, as it stands this afternoon. I can't come out of this podcast without going, this is a massive positive for Aston Villa. I don't really care about the headaches, as I said at the start, but what it means for Torremings, what it means for Esri Conza, what it means for the system. And that means that we don't play a second strike anymore. So Buendia doesn't have a role now. A lot of that's largely irrelevant. Pau Torres is an Aston Villa player and he's a very, very good footballer and he will make Aston Villa better. And hopefully, like I've said many times, we will go on to win silverware with this group of players. So yeah, massive, massive coup. Exactly that. I think the key for me is that for what you get in with Torres, and you mentioned they were Mings, Dan, you, they, they're they not too far different in terms of what they bring, but there are things that would probably be noticeable. As you say, Mings defending set pieces, I think is key. His physicality and his athleticism, his recovery speed, all of that is really important. But then you counter that with Villa want to be a possession-based team. It's, well, at least a team that controls the game. And for that, yeah. you do need a bulk of the possession. Uh and then what do you do with the possession? And that's where Torres has excelled. So in uh, La Liga last season, he made 187 passes into the final third, which was seventh most of any player in the division, which is a lot to do that into the final third from centre-back. And again, progressive passes, 10th most in La Liga last season, fifth most touches. So it, it, that that sums him up, really. It's a player that gets on the ball from deep, can progress it and progress it well. And mm. Mings, I think, was very good at controlling it in terms of um, being safe with his passes and being and being accurate and keeping the ball. And that's I think that was brilliant because then you give it to Louise, who can then play that killer pass. And so that's not really an issue, but it's just that, I don't know, Torres would do it. It'd move the ball into the final third potentially quicker, as I say, more seventh most passes in the final third last season. Um, his progressive carrying distance as well was the third most in Europe. So 
taking the ball from from one space to the other, moving it forward over seven hundred, sorry, over seven thousand six hundred yards. He did that last season, and only two more players in Europe's top five leagues moved the ball over more distance. And Mings did that a lot in the Premier League as well. I think he was the tenth highest mm. ranked in, in that particular uh, stat for Mings again. He's capable of doing that to a different level, to a lower level. Um, but then again, you flip it and say, well, we don't know how Torres is going to react to, you know, mm. things that Mings would react well to in terms of a defensive point of view. So, um, yeah, it, it, it's a debate that's going to kind of, I guess, ramble on, but a debate that's a good one and it's healthy competition ultimately. And yeah, we'll, again, we'll see what Emery has planned, but whatever it is, we've got a player that, um, is one of the best at doing what he does best in terms of moving the ball from back to front. Yeah, this conversation about what this means for a back three or back four with these other centre-halves is going to look very silly when Emery's got a master plan to ch- change him into a holding midfield role, isn't it? This is the, this is it. We literally don't know. No one's going to know. And I don't actually think it will be set in stone throughout the 38 no. games the Conference League stuff. And he doesn't, to be fair, he doesn't tend to change a lot, but he did go from playing the 4-2-3-1 at Sevilla to then going three at the back at Arsenal. Hmm. he's taken over a Villa team and signed no one apart from a left back so he hasn't put his stamp on it yet maybe if he does then we'll be going to a back three I, I don't know and no one will know and, until we until that Newcastle game I suppose and in pre-season I wouldn't be surprised if we saw different things so yeah it's all exciting though and again whatever happens it's nothing to be uh, sort of fearful about it's it's all positive so get involved in the comment section as always we're, we're kind of throwing out content at the moment we did our interview this week with uh, former masseur at Villa, Alex Butler, who's there for 13 years. Um, had some great stories in there. The, the reaction to that already today has been very good. So I'll stick a clip in this podcast to go and plug that as well. A lot of the time, lads just need to get stuff off their chest. In our room, in our cave, no one was afraid to talk. And we always reminded them that it could be worse they could be a masseur <laughs> if you win on Saturday we'll do it your way but if you don't win we'll do it my way and the lads never wanted to do it the gaffer's way if you really want to know what I sang go on go on I sang I'm a little teapot <laughs> I had nothing else in my brain apart from I'm a little teapot God of my limited experience of massage would be yeah I don't know the dim the dim lights the whale music the, ca- the, the none candles. of that I can't imagine uh, much of that going on in the, in the basement of Bodywall no no not at all there'd be a knock at your door you'd open the door and a bin full of water comes and you know goes everywhere and you just name like, names I got a feeling it might be Lansbury because he he was a bit like that yeah. he'd end up as like a little mini camp at say the Belfry before yeah. home games for two three days to keep everyone in a bubble even as a masseur it was difficult because Premier League rules stated that you were only allowed to be with lads for 15 minutes of contact yeah. at a time which lads hated because they'd want to yeah. lie there for hours he would never let the lads down he'd never let the club down and despite going through everything he, he was positive he was bubbly around the lads all the way was saying oh, f- you know Stan and he's like ah, come on we're alright the exact moment I knew we were getting promoted was Rotherham away straight after the game we've gone we're going up here no one's going to beat us we, we just knew we're back at the start of next week recording a video on Monday with Jamie Kemble who I believe I'm pretty sure he's a Villarreal fan but I will check that before Monday he used to work with us and he, he knows a lot about Spanish football so he'll give us more insight into Torres and what he offers on the pitch his strengths his weaknesses all, all those kind of things that kind of the lowdown on Pau Torres so come back for that uh, John thanks for your time this evening as always um, and go and enjoy the rest Thank of your you. Friday and, and your weekend thanks very much for watching and we'll see you soon